Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. If you are hearing this episode soon after it airs, I hope you are enjoying your weekend and are making sure that you're taking time to spend with your friends and family. And if you happen to be catching this in the middle of the week, this is also your reminder to make sure you're spending time doing things other than work, spending time developing yourself and enriching the lives of others around you and being enriched in that process. That being said, you didn't come here today just for my philosophical musings. You came here for great leadership content from an interesting guest, and you are going to get that in just a second. But first, it's great when you have time to listen to podcasts, but sometimes you just need to get straight to the facts. And that's why we've put together the Leadership Action List. It's a year's worth of weekly action steps to improve your leadership. If you want to be a noticeably different leader in one year, this simple but effective resource is for you. Download this list for free at leadershipactionlist.com. Once again, for an entire year of weekly leadership development, go to leadershipactionlist.com. Our guest today is an author, executive coach, and leadership speaker. Prior to starting her own leadership consultancy, she served as executive vice president at Assurance Specialty Property, a $2 billion financial services organization. She also held key senior positions such as executive vice president of human resources for ING North America, director of leadership development for ADP, and director of corporate human resources for PepsiCo's Taco Bell Corporation. She's recently released a new book, Leadership Through Trust and Collaboration. Practical Tools for Today's Results-Driven Leader. Here is Jill Ratliff. Jill, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joshua. Happy to be here. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insights for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Sure. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? That's a good question. And there are so many, but if I had to at a point in time, say something that comes to mind for me right now, it's that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Just simply because, you know, the stress levels that we're living in right now are unprecedented. So many things are unprecedented, right? And so this idea of making things more simple and slowing down and really catching ourselves And remembering to bring the human factor into it, I think, is just particularly relevant right now. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? A leader is inner-directed, calm, or equanimity, whichever word you like, and um, inclusive. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? The first question to ask yourself is, how good am I at leading myself? especially when I'm facing challenges and adversity. I feel like as a head of people and culture for many large organizations, if 
I had to have only one leadership class. That was it. You got the budget for one. It would be uh, called Lead by Example. What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? Any book by Simon Sinek. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? You know, I think it would have to be master your moments, like learn to think about your life and your day in moments, not in days, weeks, months, or big, massive goals. So, you know, how would you do that? You might ask, you know, how I master a moment. And I think the direction I honestly start out with, with all of my individual executive clients is throughout your day tomorrow or this week, stop and notice Anytime anything doesn't feel good, anytime something pushes against you, anytime you're a little out of your game or off, and in that moment, kind of notice that, choose how you want to respond to that moment, and practice some new ways of responding not out of habit, not out of reactiveness. So that would be one practice that generates a lot of fruit for people. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I'm sure a lot of people feel this way. And, you know, both is the answer because they point to different things. But I will play with you and take one answer and it would have to be why not. And, um, you know, that would be like, why not me? Why not us? Why not go for it? If I had to go one direction, I'd go that way. And you're absolutely right. There are good ways, good reasons to answer both. But it's always fun to kind of create those situations where you have to make a a determination and and see what people think. And that's the great thing about this podcast, you know, having great leaders on who have all sorts of experience and hearing their perspectives. And today we're going to be talking with you about leadership. You've written a book recently called Leadership Through Trust and Collaboration. I'd love for you to start off by talking about that book and a little bit about your work and how your work focuses around that trust and collaboration. So I'll start off with with me just in one sentence, and then I'll get to the book. But so, you know, so many people struggle and wonder what their purpose is, what their mission is, right? I think it's one of the biggest topics that books are written on today, thousands coming out every month on that subject. I'm one of the fortunate people that I know what my mission is. And, you know, my mission is to help leaders achieve their full potential, you know, at work and in life. And, you know, what that really means to me is to help leaders live with more freedom, more power, more love, more success, and more impact in their life and in their business. So that's kind of what I do, what my mission is. Um, how I do my work is through three things. I do keynote talks that are designed to get an organization thinking differently about how they lead and what they're trying to accomplish in their business. So I do keynotes on a variety of topics, mostly sitting under transformation and change. Um, I do one-on-one executive coaching with individuals, and then I work with leadership teams as well as a group. So that's kind of what my practice is about, what I do, and the book. So I wrote the book really because of an inflection point in my life. I mean, I've been doing this work a long time, and People who know me laugh because when I wrote a book, they said, Jill, you don't even write emails. Like you don't write anything. I'm much more of a get in front of people or stand up in front of a room and talk kind of person. But four years ago, I had a younger brother who was diagnosed with a indescribably horrific cancer. And the battle that he went through was stunning in so many ways. But the way that it was most stunning was to watch somebody that I know personally and have known my whole life 
exhibit courage unlike I had ever seen before. And in that courage, part of what that courage was, was a lot of conversation about what you start thinking about when you know you're dying. And my brother, you know, was told that he had less than 90 days to live, that this cancer he had is in the category of 2% of cancers, MTNSP, and the type he had is in the sarcoma cancer, and it's in the 1% of that. So his odds were bad. And he lived four and a half years, which is stunning and remarkable. And over that four and a half years, there was just a lot of dialogue, a lot of thoughtfulness, a lot of consideration about what you learn when that's happening to you. And it changed everything about how I look at my life, how I look at leadership. And he happened to be in the field of leadership as well. He was one of a handful of Americans master certified in Kaizen by a Japanese master. So he traveled all over the world and he worked with companies to do, as he describes, to help them get out of their own way. And so he was already pretty versed in leadership and a pretty brilliant guy. But a lot of what he shared with me in the closing years and months of his cancer battle were a complete turnaround to some of what we had always thought and believed were the most important aspects of leadership. So that was my why that I wrote my book. And could you talk about some of those those ways of thinking and those perspectives that changed through that experience, talking with your brother and learning from him and, and being challenged by him? Yeah, you know, and there are honestly, there were so many I've thought, Joshua, that I'd have to write another book to, to do justice to it because it was a lot of conversations. But for purposes of leadership and collaboration in my book, I really keyed in on five of them. And, you know, the first one is less is more, simple is better. And when I say that, don't you find yourself nodding like everybody finds yourself nodding like, oh, that makes so much sense, right? Less is more, simple is better. Yeah, we all know that. And you know, Condoleezza Rice, you know, says leading in a complex world means recognizing the simple things you can do to make things better, right? What a brilliant quote. And, uh, you know, another guy I love, Charlie Munger, to study from, the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, everybody loves him, you know, Harvard professor and philanthropist. He said, take a simple idea and take it seriously. So I think in my conversations with Keith, it just really hit home. Less is more, simple is better. And if you look at how we teach leadership and how we train leaders, it's so complex. I mean, these folks have a day job. Like they don't have time to sit in a five-day class and a notebook with 14 tabs and 53 models in it. It's too complex. So that would be one. Less is more simple is better. The second one, so easy, is be kind. Like just be kind. When you have a tough conversation, when you have to fire somebody, when somebody's performance falls below the line, you can have any one of those conversations in a kind way, in a compassionate way. That would be two. Three, and I love this, it might be my best one, is it's supposed to be fun. Like we got into life and leadership to have fun, to have a journey, to have an experience, to make a difference, to bring people along, to create something great together. And somewhere, particularly in recent years, right, we've seemed to have lost the fun in how we do what we do. And we all know why. It's because stress has taken it over. And that's a big part of what I talk about in my book. The next one is, uh, he said, you don't really have any problems, which is kind of a funny thing to say to leaders, right? You don't really have any problems because the truth of it is that's what we came here to do is solve problems all day, every day, figure out what's going on and solve a problem and bring others along. So problems can't be the problem. It has to be, how do we solve problems and just navigate through them knowing that they're normal and expected 
that it couldn't be any other way. So it's a completely different way to think about, quote, the problems you have in your day. And sort of the last one I use is he says that joy is all around you. Like there's something to get excited about, to get positive about, to feel good about, to have gratitude about literally every single day, all day, if you just look for it. So those are sort of the five big themes that I pull, you know, through my book, then in the context of some really practical other tools about how to lead yourself, how to interact with others and how to lead through change. So all five of those are extremely important. I'm wondering, as you have worked with executives, leadership teams, as you've spoken with people after giving your keynote addresses, have you found that there are one or two of these that seem to strike people more than others, that seem to to really hit people in the gut more than others? Yeah. You know what? I, I think they're all so simple that they do sort of all land. But in terms of something they've never heard before, like everybody's heard be kind. And that's a reminder that we're not really doing that. But I think what really hits people, hits the leaders I'm working with, is that you don't have any problems and less is more, simple is better. If they I get them starting to look at the objective they're trying to accomplish, then how hard they're making it, I think that's really turned some people around in a really big way. So what does it look like when you're working with leaders? Do you just present these and then begin to talk through about how these apply to their specific leadership? Not at all. Because, you know, again, that's to me like everybody, you know, anybody that has a book, anybody that knows something, right, has knowledge, and then they just sort of go out and sort of hit you with it. it. All of it sounds reasonable. All of it's bright. Obviously, people have researched what they're talking about, and it all just sounds good. So to me, the big thing is we know more than we can do. It's not that we don't have the knowledge. It's that we can't apply it in our everyday life. Like one of the ways I describe this to people is, you know, I happen to go to, I live in Atlanta. So, you know, we we have a lot of those mega churches down here, right, where they have rock bands and like 5,000 people under one roof. And it's very uplifting. And I, I notice that you go to church and you're in there and energy's whipped up and you're you believe in hope again. We're going to change this world. It's all so good for the soul. You're hugging people. And then you, well, you don't hug people anymore, right? In COVID, but you're hugging people. And then you can't even get out of the parking lot of that event before people are screaming at their kids, laying into the horn on their, you know, iPhones or iPods, firing off work emails. It's like, we can't even hold this idea, you know, of like, we know what kind of people we should be you know, even in that situation. So for me, I don't work in academics or I don't teach a lot of models. I just find out what's working and not working for somebody and then pick whatever tool is going to give them an epiphany, help them see their way out of what's bugging them or bothering them or blocking them. And then, then the tool makes sense to them because then they can see exactly how that would be meaningful to them. So I tend to meet, whether it's an individual whether it's an audience or whether it's, you know, a team from the perspective of what's bugging them, not what's bugging me or what do I think they need to do. So I think a follow-up to that is how are you able to communicate this to leaders so that they are able to replicate that approach, keeping it simple so that they can lead effectively when things seem really challenging or complex? You know, the only way to do it is really two things. One, again, simple tools that are really easy to remember. Like literally you could write it on a 
three by five index cards, simple tools. And then I absolutely attach it to practice because if you don't put yourself in a situation where it's so easy to see how you could practice something, then all you have is brain candy. All you have is a really inspiring or good idea that by Monday, you know, if you're in a class on Friday, by Monday, you've already forgotten. So for me, I attach everything to a simple model and then a practice that somebody could literally start as soon as that program is over, whether it's a keynote or whether it's a half day workshop or whatever it is, people could walk out of there and apply that. So I'll give you a simple example. Jill Bolte-Taylor, brilliant woman, right? Neuroscientist, one of the most watched TED Talks, right? In the history of TED Talks, wrote a book, My Stroke of Insight, had a stroke, had a stroke in her brain, lost the use of the left side of her brain, right? Could only operate with the right side of her brain. And there were many insights that came from that experience. She, of course, healed, which is miraculous. And then she wrote about it. So her TED Talk's brilliant, 15 minutes, she wrote a book. But one of the things she said is, be responsible for the energy you bring into a room. Because when I was in my coma or when I was trying to recover, I could feel the energy of the people that came in my room. If they felt optimism for my recovery, I could feel that. If they were like depressed and like fearful and worried, I could feel that. So her message is be responsible for the energy you bring in the room. So it's something that's simple when I'm talking to leaders. When you have to go in a room or lead a meeting or meet one-on-one with somebody, check yourself on what energy you're bringing in that room and get your energy up above, you know, up to at least contented, right? You got to get up above angry, frustrated, you know, any of those emotions that are going to suck the energy out of that room. So that's an example. So you have significant experience in the HR field. And I'm wondering what insights do you think that has helped you to to develop as far as leadership goes? Yeah, I think that it's maybe all functional areas would relate to this, but I certainly can tell you from an HR perspective, the biggest thing I learned over 25 years that I do would do completely differently now in that job, and I encourage other heads of HR to think about, goes back again to keep it simple right? Engagements. They'll give you a great example, the engagement movement, right? A gala 15 years ago came up with this brilliant data, right? Which they're brilliant at research and data. That's their alley. And they came up with these 12 questions, right? Which you think would be simple. And it was to measure engagement. And every company that was paying attention started doing engagement surveys and engagement work, right? After the survey. And over 15 years of working on that, According to Gallup, again, engagement is lower than it's ever been before. So, you know, if you believe the data, 78% of the people gone to work, you know, now are either actively disengaged or relatively disengaged, right? So that's like a great example. We've been doing something for 15 years that is clearly not working. And I think part of the challenge why is we turned it into a process. We turned it into something managers had to do. We made it so complex, And if you really think about how can you engage your employees, there's so many simpler ways to go about it. And we don't really have to spend millions of dollars on surveys to be able to do that. So again, controversial. I know a lot of my HR peers would not like to hear me say that, but I think that there are ways to still get your thumb on the pulse of what you need to do and help your leaders at every level know how to connect with people on a human level without needing to have 53 pages of data and statistics and programs and action plans. It's too much. 
So you've already spoken to this some, but I just think it's such an important concept that it'd be worth getting some more thoughts from you on this, I think. How do you keep things from becoming complex? Because it seems like that's life. You know, you start off anything and, and it's very natural and, and free-flowing, but then complexity just seems to come into things. Is, is it just a matter of always going back to key tenets or is it, is it something else? Yeah, well, yeah, there are, there are key tenets, yes. Um, that you have to go back to. It's sort of like um, if you're in New York City and you're on Broadway and you're at the ground floor of a hundred story office building, right? You've got to go in the ground floor and you got to, and you're going to have a view from there. You're going to say, what does the city look like? There's going to be people everywhere and buildings everywhere and cars running everywhere. It's going to look crazy and chaotic. But if you get into the you know, into the elevator and you go up 50 floors and you look out the window, you're going to have a different perspective. If you get in the elevator and you go up to the penthouse and you look out, you're going to have a different perspective. And I got news for you. The view gets better the higher up you go. So I think that, you know, one thing is you have to, in all this complexity, you got to get up high enough to get clear. You know, clarity is probably, yeah, now that you asked me top three traits of a leader, I probably should have said clarity. Um, Clarity is priceless. You have to be able as a leader to get above all that complexity. And you've got to be able to help your organization not know the 53 priorities they have to do to get it done. Are there 53 in a company? Yes. But as you talk about what's important and what you're going to measure, it's got to come up to three or four. It has to. And you have to be able to help an organization understand why. And you have to help them be able to know how they align to that. And it sounds so simple, but we don't do it. I've sat with so many executive teams. They literally cannot let go of the the 53 projects. Like they can't. So that would be an example. I'd work with people to get their perspective up a little higher and place their bet. The most brilliant CEOs I've ever worked for, every one of them could tell you when they had to place their bet. You know, when they had to make a decision, put their resources behind something, stop a program that everybody thought was the wrong decision, but they did it anyway. So as a leader, you have to be able to get above the complexity, get clear, and then place your bet and follow through. Well, Jill, I feel like we've we've talked a lot ab- about how to keep things simple, avoid the complexity. I'm wondering, are there any other things that you think would be really important for us to discuss today? Something that you would like the listeners to to be sure that they leave today's interview with, whether it's something that you just want to reiterate from our conversation today or something that we just haven't had a chance to talk about at all. I guess there's just two really high level things I would leave. And this really is in the architecture of my book, sort of, I think of myself as somebody trying to help leaders understand the human operating system because we understand business systems so well, right? We understand how they work. We understand business systems and processes, but we really don't understand the human operating system very well. And to me, that really breaks down into mind, body, spirit, and that further breaks down in the mind to thoughts and emotions. What are they? How do they work? How do they act on us? How are they helping us? How are they hurting us? Physical energy, body, how do you ensure that you're taking care of yourself, that your people are taking care of themselves? And again, simple, not complex. And the third category, spirit, which is spiritual energy. And I don't mean that in a religious sense, but clearly, you know, there is a divine you know, um, matrix, there is a divine source, there is something that unites us all, there is something that creates that that is genius in the world. And you would say, well, how do you know that? Just look outside, 
right? 3,000 unique species of butterflies, like the waves come in and out, you cut yourself, you heal, you don't even think about breathing. I mean, there's a billion examples that there is some kind of divine intelligence, you know, sort of governing us and you, and you got to know or have some perspective about that energy and how to tap into it. So that would be one, you know, just the human operating system and really understanding that better as we think about how we lead people and how we get human back into our organizations. And then the second one's around relationships and it's relationships are everything. I mean, they're just everything. If you've got a conflict with people or you random, routinely have conflicts with people and you don't know how to resolve them in a simple, thoughtful you know, fast way that that's the work you need to do. And I think that why that is one so important to me, because it's simply true, but two, you know, Harvard business review recently did a, a study and they came back and said, these four traits, be kind, be grateful, be positive and be helpful. If a leader exhibits those, they are 40% more likely to be promoted within two years. So not only is all that stuff sort of sound woo woo and nice, it's actually powerful leadership capability, yet I haven't seen those four things on too many competency models in our leadership competencies. So Jill, if people have connected with what you've shared today, where would you like them to go to find more about you and the work that you do? Uh, so the easiest, really easiest way uh, to find a little bit out about the work I do is at my website, which is www.jillratliffleadership.com. We're going to keep it really simple. And uh, LinkedIn, um, Jill Ratliff on LinkedIn is a really simple way to reach me. And I always respond to my LinkedIn messages. Perfect. Well, Jill, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Joshua. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to connect with Jill, you can find links to her website and other links in the show notes below. Now, let's go ahead and get to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this. Clarity is priceless. When you talk about what's important and what to measure, limit that talk to three or four items, even if there are a whole lot of other projects or responsibilities that are necessary. Clarity is priceless. Keep it simple. The next key takeaway is this. Be responsible for the energy you bring into a room and be careful what emotions you bring into a room with you. I thought this was really interesting insight from Jill. And if you think about it as a leader, you're going to have probably an outsized influence in that room. So make sure you are helping to shape the room's energy and, and help to shape the emotions of the people in that room as best as possible. And the final key takeaway is this. We know more than we can do. It's not that we don't know what to do. It's that the application is difficult. And this is why I'm sending out weekly emails for the leadership action list, which if you haven't signed up for the leadership action list emails yet, I would highly encourage you to download the leadership action list at leadershipactionlist.com. But the reason I'm sending out these emails is because it's so easy for us to go ahead and find that next thing to to download that next free download. But at the end of the day, if we're not actually getting into action, if we're not actually applying what we're learning and what we're picking up, then that doesn't actually lead to better leadership or better organizational sense, better business sense. So it's so important to have things presented to us in a way that it's easy to apply them. So every single week, you are getting one item from that leadership action list. That's one email per week throughout all of 2021. And if you just 
take that single action step and apply it. You're going to finish the year a much more effective leader than when you started. So once again, I encourage you to download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. And if you do that, you'll be automatically signed up for those weekly emails to encourage you in your actions as a leader. I look forward to sharing with you once again next week. And until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.